Hello there, Paul Carenza here. Greetings, podcast listener. It's been a while, hasn't it? Well, the more observant of you would have noticed, this has been the Heptagon Club podcast until now. But as in previous episodes, you'll know, we've closed the doors on that particular podcast. I did say watch this space for a future podcast. This is, I should point out, not that future podcast as such. This is not going to be a regular thing that now appears but I wanted to use this podcast channel because uh, to keep the Hepticon Club online, I have to still pay the same monthly charge regardless whether I'm putting out new content or not. Um, so I wanted to add a new thing. So I'm doing a show called Comedians with Books. And I've done this once earlier this year in 2019 at uh, with Guildford Fringe at the Fabulous Star Pub, which is where the Stranglers first performed. That's a nice little factoid for you. We're doing it again at Guildford Fringe Festival in July of 2019. And in fact, as this podcast launches, it's going to be a month from today. So I thought that would be as good as time as any to partly talk about that. But also I wanted to actually give a little excerpt from the previous Comedians with Books event we did. Now, the idea behind this show is it's Comedians with Books. So the first half of our show is stand-up comedians doing their set. But these are stand-ups who've also sat down long enough to write something book-wise. And so the second half of each of our shows becomes a book festival panel kind of scenario. The, uh, the books are available in the interval. And the second half, we interview the comedians on a panel. They talk about the books behind the scenes of the writing process. And generally, it's a chance for the audience to ask questions to some of these authors about their different topics they've written about but also about what the difference is between stand-up and and writing the books and how it's been their experience of writing. So we recorded uh, that panel discussion at our first show a few months ago, and that's what we include on this podcast for you now. If you'd like to come to the next Comedians with Books show, it's on Guildford Fringe Festival, Monday, July the 8th, as part of the Guildford Fringe. You can Google now, Guildford Fringe Festival Comedians with Books, and you will find details of that show. If you find the one that's passed, that's not the one. Okay. We're also doing it again in October. That's going to be our third show. So if you listen to this podcast in July 2019, has been and gone, uh, but October 2019 is still ahead of you, then uh, a yet-to-be-announced cast will join us in October 2019, Uh, alongside Guildford Book Festival. So the proper big boy, that's when they have the Jeremy Paxmans and Graham Nortons and uh, all those sort of people um, uh, doing the big book festival stuff. We're going to do the Guildford Fringe Festival as kind of a fringe to the book festival. Comedians with Books uh, will be back in October. Uh, we'll try and mention in the uh, the text of this uh, podcast, in the podcast info, and also online, at Paul Carenza on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook as well, my Paul Carenza, uh, facebook.com slash paul.carenza. Lots of information will be there about the lineup for October. In uh, July, it's James Carey talking about the sacred art of joking. It's Pierre Hollins talking about his book, which is a sort of philosophical whodunit. And we've also got Dan Evans, brilliant one-liner comedian, talking about his books, which are sort of spoof whodunits. They're like uh, uh, crime thrillers, kind of pulp novels, um, but they're just fun and funny, and that's brilliant. So if you would like to come and join us to see those brilliant comedians do their sets, and then after the break, they will be uh, uh, having signed and sold books. You can actually interview them about their books at the uh, Comedians with Books show. As a taste of what that's like, we've now got a uh, an excerpt, a good old half to half hour of 40 minutes excerpt of our first Comedians with Books show. So who are you about to hear? 
Aidan Goatley, brilliant comedian. His book is called Never Eat the Buffet at a Sex Club. I'm told that it doesn't reference that anywhere in the book. That's just a random title he thought of. And it's excerpts from his stand-up shows, including the brilliant 10 Films with My Dad, which he talks a little bit about in the uh, discussion to follow. We've also got Rosie Wilby, uh, who's done her book, Is Monogamy Dead?, based on her stand-up show as well, The Breakup Monologues, and she's got a podcast as well. You can uh, find that. It's, it's a brilliant one. Uh, so her book, Is Monogamy Dead? And then Matt Parker, the stand-up mathematician, his brand-new book, which was out on the pretty much the day that we recorded this at the previous Comedians with Books show. Uh, it's called Humble Pie, and it's all about mathematical errors uh, which make things go wrong in the world. And he he does, in his uh, book discussion, reference a few things that he mentioned in the bit we didn't record, in his stand-up sort of set in the first half. So only once or twice you'll hear something that refers back to um, to a thing in the previous half. It doesn't ruin the enjoyment of what's to follow. Hope you enjoy it. I'll pop up again halfway through and also at the end with another little plug at uh, for stuff I've got coming up. But right now, sit back, tune your ears into the fascinating bookish comedic fun of our first Comedians with Books panel discussion with Aidan Goatley, Rosie Wilby, Matt Parker and me chairing it, Paul Carenza. Welcome Comedians with Books. A special thank you for coming to this first ever one of these. Look, they've all turned up. Hey, audience. Hey. Well done, hey. 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 audience. Well done, hey. So um, I've got nothing particular planned. We'll just ask some questions. I'll ask some questions. You can ask each other questions and you can ask questions as well. The worst question you get at these things is, so what made you want to write a book? like the book you've written. So, uh, Aidan, you can start with that one. Thanks for that. There you go. But you, you, your book is, is bits of your, is your yeah, stand-up show. So basically, because I did, I, the first book I did was my first show, which was 10 Films of My Dad, um, which is uh, a show I did, uh, which I've done all over the world. Um, uh, I saw your website says I played all over Dubai, Istanbul, and Guildford. And Guildford. <laughs> so we have made the big three. That's before you came here tonight as well. I'm keeping it real. Um, yeah, no. And it, it basically is a show about the fact that uh, it's the first show I ever did. And because I didn't start comedy until I was uh, 39. And uh, I know, two years ago. And uh, fuck you. And, uh, and, uh, and I sort of stupidly went, well, well I'll just go and bloody do a show. And uh, the show was 10 Films of My Dad, which is a show about me and my dad not talking, but only watching films. So it's about the 10 films from when I was a child till now. And that's in the book as well, by the way. And um, so I put that in there. And then The Joys of Retail, which is another show, because I did a media degree, so I spent all my life working in retail. And, uh, <laughs> and that was great. And, um, and yeah, we've got some other bits and bobs. I just thought I'll shove them all in, and then hopefully at gigs, people will buy them. So was, was it that thing that you'd done the show, you'd done the festival at Edinburgh? Yeah taught it a bit, but then you kind of don't want to sort of say goodbye to the show yet. Well, I, I'm still of... doing 10 films now, well, you are 10 years later. Uh, so, I, I, you know, I've got no excuse whatsoever. Uh, <laughs> so people turn up for that one. Uh, but yeah, there's, it's basically just a thing to have and, and to have something else to sell at gigs, because, you know, as you said uh, during the thing, uh, the, the gigs are few and far between, sometimes they're not brilliantly paid. This one is amazingly well paid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm getting paid a fortune. I don't know about these two. <laughs> but no, it, it's just another revenue source kind of thing, and to get out there and then hopefully. Uh, um, and uh, Rosie, so you, your uh, book as well, has, did that come from Stand Up In A Way, or, or did yeah, it come from Yeah, definitely. It came, well, it came from three shows. I did a trilogy of shows all about love and relationships, The Science of Sex, which was all about attraction and first meeting somebody and dating, and then Is Monogamy Dead, um, the comedy show, which eventually lent its title to the book. And the final part of the trilogy was called The Conscious Uncoupling, and was looking at... <laughs> yeah, it was looking at breakups 
and um, how technology affects how we can break up with each other because um, it was kind of looking at a breakup that happened via email for me in 2011 which still I, back then it seemed kind of a bit hard that somebody dumped me by email oh, yes um, but I did feel better about it once I corrected her spelling punctuation <laughs> <laughs> and changed the font actually yeah. would you believe uh, breakup in windings it comes up with a police car uh, much cheerier uh, so, so yeah, so, and then the, the Conscious Uncoupling show led to the podcast, the breakup monologues, and I was doing all of this stuff and, and realised I was really looking in, in a slightly deeper way at love and relationships than just kind of doing jokes about, oh, I was on Match.com and I was Match with myself and I was only a 73% Match, um, which is actually a true thing that happened. Um, but, um, yeah, I realised there was a whole deeper side and I... I became friends with a scientist at King's called Kazi Rahman, who's one of the leading British scientists in the field of sexuality. And I originally saw him on a TV documentary and got in touch with him. And we started, I started kind of, kind of a loose collaboration with him and being a sort of public engagement channel for some of his research. And, and then also being able to take part in some of his experiments and him being able to print out groovy graphs of you know, different results in different kind of tests for like gay men and straight men and lesbians and, and straight women and Rosie. Um, <laughs> I'd like in my own category, it'd be brilliant. Um, so, so yes, yeah, so, so it all led to the book and, and this kind of slightly deeper exploration of love and relationships and looking at how relationships work and how, how difficult it is and how challenging it is to make a relationship work sometimes. And I suppose then you've done, you've, once you've done sort of the typical Edinburgh Festival Hour show, it's a way of going, not just kind of putting it straight on paper, but you can go a bit deeper with it and investigate it further. Yeah, and you can have the light and the shade and it's kind of all structured around the narrative of my own discoveries and actually working out how to how to be in a relationship and who I wanted to be in a relationship. So it's kind of written a bit like a novel where it actually, you know, structurally follows on. Because um, I, I went on a writer's retreat and the tutor said this wonderful thing and said that non-fiction is the story of an idea. And so I kind of told the story of me getting all these ideas about love and relationships and the story of talking about them on stage and how that then played out in my own life and actually having healthier, better relationships and communicating <coughs> so much better about what I wanted in a, uh, in a relationship. But also I think the thing about a book is that it's, it's really nice to have a thing that is kind of fixed. One of the lovely but also frustrating things about comedy is it's very ephemeral. You can have a great gig and then it's gone. Um, and even if you video it and try and record it, it's somehow not the same as the energy that you had in the room with those people there. Whereas the book stays the same, it's constant. Yeah. There's an end product, like that. Yeah. There? yeah. Yeah. And so Matt, speaking of the science then, uh, similar thing I suppose, you, you, in the way there is anything, we've got science and comedy together equals book, maybe. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for putting that as an equation. I had to give it a gradient down to me. Um, so, so my book is uh, the story of the, uh, the idea of, of you know, uh, whoops. Uh, so it came about because it's different to stand up. I, I think that's 
the most honest way to put it. So any content in the book, have you not been doing that as stand-up already? You know, my first, because I've already written two books, and the first one, I repurposed a lot of stuff from stand-up into the book, and I'm, I'm curious to know how that went for you, because I then found stuff I'd done on stage, I'd gotten so used to the rhythm of the audience, and them being... I mean, yeah. to us, you're one collective consciousness, so don't take it personally. Um, it's a real, it's interesting. The rhythm and the pacing and the structure is so dependent on the audience and changes audience to audience. But when I was writing it, I kept getting stuck in doing it how I knew it worked on stage. I, I got stuck in the whole kind of, because when, well, when you're doing a script like for stage, it's all very brief and you keep it as succinct as possible. And then you write that all out, it's like four pages. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, the problem this is, is my last year. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't write everything longhand for when I'm doing shows. I've got, no. I've got in my head, I, I work out as I'm driving, and then I've got like key words. Yeah, me too. And I've got, I'm sure you guys are the same. Like, all comedians have got random books with just bits of paper and bits of words in them that make no sense whatsoever. <laughs> you know, I like had one that said mustard shopping. I have no idea. That'll be with a retail bit, probably. That could, it could have been, it could have been, yeah. But you know, it's Once just I had my um, shopping list written on the back of my hand, so yeah. I hadn't looked it off, and someone thought that was my set list. <laughs> <laughs> when is she going to do the joke about boomers? <laughs> <laughs> So it's true because you do bullet points for stand-up, yeah, yeah, yeah. which makes yeah. it very well paid per word. Uh, however, <laughs> the book I thought was so different, and I think I liked the bits I wrote from scratch more than I liked the stuff I repurposed from the stage. And so I was very specific, well, very deliberate with the second book. I wrote it almost all of it, as a few exceptions, was by accident. The rest of it I wrote it for the book first. And then once the book was kind of locked in, I then started trying it out on stage. And so I just would pick a story I liked and yell it at an audience, and then you very quickly discover where the rhythms and, and bits are. And, and do you still, with your book, also this is out like two days ago, yeah. brand new out, so do you still have that, is it still feels refreshed that you're still finding ways of talking about the stuff in there? Or oh, is, it, absolutely. is it in there for a while? The, um, the story about the mine, the salt mine, the drilling into the mine, the salt, the water flooding in, that's the first time I've told that story on stage. Because I was just like, I love this story. I want to try it on stage. So I, I hit it in the middle of the set where you won't notice it's terrible. And there were no actual jokes yet, right? So I told them. I knew I've told the um, running out of fuel story. I started telling that like a year ago. When I first wrote that in the book, I was like, this is such a good story. And so then I started chatting about that on stage. And the, um, the, the, the Gandhi one, second time um, outing. So it, it's still, I'm still trying stuff on stage to this new experience of taking what's in the book and then turning it into what works with an audience. And it's very different. Do you find as well, though, Matt, when you're, cause you, when you're the stand-up mathematician thing, is, is, has comedy always been part of your communication? And the, do you see yourself writing a serious book without comedy, or is it always part of that in there? It's always been part in there. So I used to be a maths teacher, as uh, previously established, and uh, <laughs> many other quiet, non-heckling maths teachers said hello in the interval, which was um, They're all maths teachers. They're, they're now my favourites, so I just deleted all their names. Um, and so, um, the thing is, right, maths teacher humour is a very specific, uh, and <laughs> terrible genre, and I love it. And its, it's primary function is to annoy teenagers, which is great. Which is what teachers do for fun. And I, uh, when I was a teacher, and when I was doing maths, <laughs> it's so true. Uh, when I was doing maths, the, the best bit is where you do something you know is a horrific innuendo, and you yeah. keep a perfectly straight face. <laughs> oh. uh, so, um, the, no, what the looks of recognition. <laughs> <laughs> 
every time I had to get an assignment handed in, I would yeah. write it on the on the board, hand in, and I would abbreviate it as. And I'd just write that on the board and go, okay, hand in, your, hand in as everyone, hand in assignment everyone, they'd all giggle at the abbreviation, I never broke character. Uh, so, I, uh, I, with tangents, the moment they think you're trying to impress them, it's all over. And so, the comedy stuff, you've you got to entertain them despite themselves. I still do lots of shows for teenagers, but it's a different... Differently, it's very similar to stand up, but without the jokes, I guess. It's, 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 it's weird. And I guess in that environment, they have to be there, do they? Are they well, this is it, it's great. The audience who are obliged to be there, and I mean, you, so who was I talking to who came to the Reading show? Yeah, you don't recall laughing at all, right? But you did laugh. Yeah. I, don't know. I don't know about the kids. Not about the kids, exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah, most of us were teachers. Uh, the, the reason I like the book was uh, stand up. As you kind of noticed, I've got a bait-and-switch career model going on where I will promise comedy and then audience show up and then I hit them with maths instead, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> However, you're only going to get a certain audience doing that. And because I also, I don't just talk about maths because I love it, which is true, I also think it's important to do a bit of maths PR, a book is going to hit a different audience. People who wouldn't come along to a, a, a comedy show about books or maths or any other dirty things. And so I thought a book would be a way to get um, a different audience. And I, I guess, so you've got a, a fairly good niche there, maths. There. Are there many maths communicators slash comedy out there? There's not many. Oh, there. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm looking at the brochure in Edinburgh, there's hundreds. I know! <laughs> Everyone else has come running in. Yeah. They're, they're all late to market, though. I got there first. Uh, so, no, last um, Guildford Fringe, I saw uh, Kyle D. Evans, who's a music comedy performer, in this room, and he was. Part of that, doing maths jokes yeah. and songs. I've got a 10 minute bit set on maths, so I just left it in the car. So you're here, you're coming. Yeah, yeah. yeah. um, and even so, Rosie, as well, you're, uh, do you have, do, do you see, is it a fairly niche area? Have you got other people, other books doing similar things to you that you're um, I Well, I think um, there are other people who've taught, who've obviously touched on love and relationships in an intelligent way. Um, obviously, you mentioned Sarah Pascoe gave me a lovely quote for my book, and she has touched on monogamy and things like that, although I did it first. Um, uh, but yeah, I think I'm, I, I don't know of any other comedian who has taken a show to Edinburgh that is exclusively about monogamy and about this question of fidelity and what it means. Um, and the, and it, you know, it was quite a mathematical show in a way because it, 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 a lot of it was about the results of a survey that I did asking what counts as cheating and stuff like that. And um, my favourite question was I asked people what other secrets they kept from each other and 12 people confessed to secretly giving themselves the best portion of food. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I want to open up, should we open employ any, any questions and things? Um, actually, I've got one, can I do a very quick question to everyone, first of all, um, just for anyone interested, uh, as I always am, about how books actually get made. So I know, Aidan, you've gone self-published. Yeah. Uh, and I think you other guys will... Yeah, because I've, I've, I've sort of uh, spent ten years like, working in comedy and, sorry, this is going to sound incredibly British, like <clears throat> I do quite well in Edinburgh. Um, I, I set out in Edinburgh, I've never not made money in Edinburgh. What? I don't know. Okay, that's amazing. Uh, but uh, nowhere else. And, um, and the background of that joke is everyone else is the inverse of that. I'm, I'm yeah. the inverse of that, totally. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. make money oh, no, no, else. Because I walk around Edinburgh and, and I just can't smile because I go, how's it going? And they go, oh, it's really bad, you know? And I go, yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, no, I, and because I've, I've never been contacted by an agent, I've never had I've thousands of rejection emails from agents and stuff like that, never had any interest, but I do well with the shows, and I, I, I do tour them around the countries and go abroad and stuff like that. So literally when it came to the book, I did the thing of, of sending stuff out for 10 films, and again, nothing, and then I just thought I was just printing myself. Um, well, I didn't print it myself, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, you company, you I, I, I sat there with your hand artisan book publishing in my shed. Uh, no, no, I, I just went online and did it that way. And that way I can, it, it costs like a fiver a book. So I turn up the venues, I go, oh, look, give me a fiver, a minimum. Uh, do the spiel about my child. And <laughs> she doesn't even exist. <laughs> and, and yeah, go that way. Um, and yeah, don't get me wrong, I would love to have someone else take some of my money. Uh, but you know, agents or anything, but I've never had either any in. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so that's why I do that. And what about you, Gus? Did you approach publishers? Did they approach you? Do you go with your idea? How's it? What's so the, 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 if you want to go with, with a uh, traditional publisher because you want to make less money but you crave legitimacy, then uh, <laughs> they tend to use literal, like agents as the filter. So very few publishers will take a, a manuscript. Yeah. I don't know how you went about yeah, it. Yeah, agents as well. Yeah, so they, they kind of outsource sifting through the signal and the noise to agents. And so I did some stuff in, I wrote some stuff for newspapers. And you do enough stuff in newspapers, agents are constantly trying to look for the next source of, of free money. And so they, uh, or the, uh, uh, suddenly like three contacted me simultaneously. So I must have just tipped over some um, threshold where they went, okay, this, this guy could produce some money for us. And so three got in touch and I met them and I had some great advice because I had some friends who had previously written books and they're like, oh, bear in mind, you're gonna be working very closely with this person because they're not just an agent, they're almost your first editor. And so I then, they pick someone you can work with on a day-to-day -day basis. And so I met them all. I don't know how that worked for you, did you? Yeah, I entered a writing competition um, that, that was run by a women's writing magazine called Ms. Lexia. Um, and I was shortlisted and that was a, a memoir that I was writing about my time when I used to be a musician that was called How Not To Make It In Britpop. Um, <laughs> Which is a cracking show. <laughs> it was a nice show that I did years ago but it, I guess it, because I wasn't like a big famous musician or anything, I had a, an indie kind of career and had an album out that on my own label, a bit like you doing your own book and that kind of thing and you know I had my fans and stuff and toured around but I guess because I wasn't a big name, it was difficult to, I was sort of trying to maybe interest publishers in that. And then when I started doing the sex and relationship stuff and the monogamy, I got used, started writing a lot of newspaper articles and so on. I did a TEDx talk, did Radio 4, Forethought and lots of other bits and pieces. Um, and part of the prize for this competition for the other piece of writing was to go to a big fancy agents party uh, upstairs at Foils in London and network with loads of different agents. So then I met some people who were, who were interested. It kind of all went from there. Uh, but it was still really difficult shaping uh, for non-fiction book, you write a proposal, quite an extensive one with kind of sample chapters, but summaries of exactly what you're going to say, which is like writing your Edinburgh blurb before you've written the show. And it's really weird because uh, I, I changed so much. I didn't really know what I was going to say. Um, until I started writing it. So it's, it's kind of a bit of a weird way that you do a non-fiction book, whereas a fiction book, you generally have to have completed it all. Um, and so, uh, yeah, yeah, it kind of went from there, got, got an agent and had quite a few meetings with big publishers, but um, 
we had meetings with Little Brown and people like that, but I think they were, uh, the, the young, ed funky editors were really into it, and then the kind of senior people they had to get into it were a bit like, a bit came over a bit conservative and a bit like, oh, she's, oh, she writes a lot about being gay, and oh, oh, she wrote monogamy, oh, you know, and kind of polyamory, and, and it was a bit, perhaps a bit challenging, a bit edgy, and they, they weren't kind of into it. So um, we went with an independent publisher in the end who, you know, in some ways that's good because I could write the book that I wanted and I didn't have a lot of kind of, oh, you can't say this or whatever. Uh, but obviously they don't have as much resources to kind of do marketing and promote the book. So in some ways it's been a bit like an indie DIY thing because I've done a lot of the promo and get myself booked at literary festivals and, and all that kind of stuff. But in, in another way, it's quite nice having the publisher and they kind of get it into the shops and they printed it and designed the cover and did all that kind of and stuff. And I, I guess in theory, publishers might like comedians because we do a bit of PR ourselves. And we're yeah, out there. we're so quite I had, good at it. I handed my book in, uh, the manuscript in, uh, very happy on, on the deadline, midnight of the deadline, <laughs> and then got an auto reply email at 8 o'clock the next morning saying, we went into administration last night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, I was the last last one through there. So they, they oh. got the book out, but they said, you've got to do all the PR yourself. So we, they just sat the PR person. And uh, so I hired her back, actually, at my cost. So, um, uh, but yeah, you just got to roll with it, haven't you, really? And do, Your book do the destroyed a public. Correlation is not causation. I don't know how you get the correlation of causality. I love that. The heck, correlation is not causation. That is a fine mathematical Where else would you get that heavy? So I hope you're enjoying this behind the scenes panel discussion, Comedians with Books. It's the first time we're doing this. I like doing new things, and this is certainly one of those. This was a new idea we had to do something that's a bit of a stand-up uh, book festival hybrid and we did that earlier this year Guildford Fringe Festival hosts us again in July July the 8th uh, it's a Monday at the Guild Hall in Guildford if you happen to be near Guildford or send anyone down who is you can hear a very similar discussion to the one you're hearing now it's with James Carey Pierre Hollins Dan Evans talking about religion and comedy and whodunits and the book writing process all behind the scenesy stuff of that. Uh, the very next night after that, Tuesday 9th of July, I'm doing another brand new thing, an evening of new theatre writing. We're calling it Three Times Tables because the idea is it will be three mini plays where the theme of each is they have to be set around three different tables. So we've got a wedding reception from hell, we've got a crime scene, um, sort of uh, the investigation following that, and we've got a PTA fair parent-teacher association-y thing uh, full of lots of wry comeuppance and things. I've not written that one. I've written the wedding reception one. We've got two other brilliant writers doing the others. We've also got another writer who might be doing a thing for that one or might be for a future one. But if, again, if you are near Guildford, or know someone who is, send them down. Guildford Fringe Festival. So on Tuesday, the 9th of July, will be three times tables at the uh, the Star Inn. That's the evening of New Theatre. But the night before, Monday, 8th of July, Comedians with Books. And uh, we'll go back to the discussion of that in just a moment, hearing questions from the floor. Um, other stuff I'm up to at the minute, I've got just started a new blog. I, I did this thing called, called a Yule blog before. I mentioned it on the Heptagon Club podcast here before. And um, yeah, I've kind of converted that blog. It's uh, the Kneel Down Stand Up blog. If you Google Kneel Down Stand Up, you'll find it. 
into a writing blog. So it's me more uh, looking at writing and skeleton structure of story structure. I'm kind of fascinated at the minute by those building blocks that make up the stories of books and films. Uh, There's loads of story experts uh, who've looked at this stuff, like Blake Snyder, John York, Joseph Campbell, Christopher Vogler. If those names mean nothing to you, but you're vaguely interested in writing story structure, um, then it's worth a little look into those things. But I'm going to be blogging uh, from now on about Uh, some of those people, some of their theories, and just those building blocks that make up stories we see all the time on TV and on the uh, the cinema screen. Uh, Maybe with a view one day to writing a book of my own about something like this too. I'm still pondering how that might look. Uh, Other stuff going on at the minute. I've got a couple more children's books out later this year. Joe's Bros and the Bus That Goes is available for pre-order. That joins Noah's Car Park Arc and Moses and the Exodus Express. Uh, And yeah, the Guildford Fringe Festivals are coming up, plus loads more comedy events. I'm open for bookings as well if you'd like a comedian at your place. Uh, If you've got a venue going, August is nice and quiet. November's a bit quiet too. Uh, Otherwise, it's pretty busy uh, between now and the end of the year. I think that's the main stuff going on. Otherwise, yeah, find us back on Twitter, at Paul Carenza. On Facebook, paul.carenza, facebook.com slash paul.carenza. And as for this thing, that's the other thing I want to talk about, what to do with this podcast channel. I'm going to kind of convert it into this thing of a podcast channel. I don't know if anyone really does this. Normally a podcast uh, feed is just one podcast, but I've done the Heptagon Club. I'm still kind of paying Podbean every month to host it here. So I thought rather than... um, Let that just be the end of it. I'll just keep adding some stuff here occasionally, like this uh, Comedians with Books excerpt. And uh, there will be a new podcast arriving at some point. It might not be here, though. I might signpost it from here because for various reasons, it might be hosted by someone else. I'm I'm looking at working with a couple of different uh, organisations. I won't say which yet because I don't want to jinx it, but I've pitched around three or four different podcasts uh, that we're talking to... Uh, people, very famous organisations and broadcasters that you may or may not be familiar with, um, who would maybe uh, be doing a Paul Carenza podcast of sorts. If I, that happens, you'll be the first to know about it. I'll mention something here, signpost to you elsewhere. And in the meantime, I'll use this particular feed to, uh, yeah, just add stuff like this, comedians with books, um, book panel excerpts. So in fact, the one we're going to do in July with James Carey and Pierre Hollins and Dan Evans, July the 8th, We'll record that, hopefully, if they all consent to that. And then we'll put it out again ahead of the October one, uh, ahead of the October um, Comedians with Books event. So you will at some point, if you can't make Guildford Fringe Festival, you will hear the Comedians with Books panel discussion. You won't hear the stand-up sets. You've got to come down to hear that. Um, But yeah, get down if you can. It's going to be fun. We're at the Guild Hall, Monday 8th of July. And uh, be great to see you there. So Google Guildford Fringe Festival Comedians with Books. Right now, though, Back to the first one we did. Matt Parker, Aidan Goatley and Rosie Wilby. Take your questions from the floor. We should open up the floor. Any questions? Put your hand up and then just, just heckle. Yeah. Um, Matt. Claire. Is your book... <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try and stitch you up. No. Um, is your book about mathematical mistakes born from your own journey through mathematics and book writing? That's a good question. So if you missed it, it's... Uh... Matt, your book's amazing. <laughs> is it about mathematical mistakes born from my own experience? I, is it? Is yeah. it? That's is a it? question. Okay, so good question. Um, sort of. So I've put in. So when I was writing a, a book about math mistakes, a lot of mathematicians would say, "Oh, uh, is it going to be like uh, when this proof 
ended up having a flaw in it or this and that. a lot of like quite niche like genuine mistakes within specifically research mathematics and I've actually stayed completely away from that I, I was going to put in one as an example what I'm not writing the book about but then in the end I decided not not to worry and so I ended up just collecting applications of math that have gone wrong but I did want to have a human aspect to it because otherwise it would just be a random collection of stories. And as you were saying about a book where you go try and put it into this structure, it's the story of a concept. It can't just be funny thing, funny thing, funny thing, funny. And like then they're categorized, but there's no overall thing. So I, I had to put in, you know, me and you know things I've been through. And so some things are mistakes I've tried to fix. So and if you notice the football signs for uh, football stadiums in the UK, stadia, mm -hmm. uh, um, <laughs> the football is wrong. So the footballs on the signs have hexagons where there should be pentagons in the football, right? Which annoys me no end. And as of now, will annoy you too. That's my gift to you all. Um, and so I started a parliamentary petition to fix this. Right? I got like 20,000 signatures, the government had to respond. I won't give you any spoilers, you can look it up. They haven't fixed it, no. So no. it got to Parliament, this? this it got to Parliament, yeah, yeah, I got a response. The Department for Transport have officially given me government communication saying they don't believe UK street signs have to be geometrically plausible. paraphrasing <laughs> that, they're my words, uh, but yeah. Uh, and then also, so there's stuff that I've done like that, right? But there's also mistakes that I've made. I'll try to put examples in. And so famously, famously in a very small niche <laughs> demographic, I uh, do a lot of YouTube videos. And so I did a YouTube video about when I was trying to find a mathematical thing with certain properties. For those of you who want the details, it's a magic square. So a three by three grid of squares, where they add to the same amount in rows, columns, and diagonals. But no one has ever found one where it's a three by three magic square where all the numbers are square numbers. I'm like, how good is that? Right? So I'm like, well, I'm going to give it a go. I didn't find one. But I made this video with someone else about my attempts to find it and the closest I got. And the spirit was giving it a go. Like, I knew I wasn't going to succeed because actually I knew people had checked up to into the billions. So I knew I wasn't going to find one. But I wanted to see how close I could get. And it was a challenge. And a lot of people in maths think that maths is all about getting the correct answer. And it's not, that's almost a byproduct. Maths is trying and being wrong, and then trying and be a bit less wrong, and then more wrong, and then you converge in on the least amount of wrong. And I want to, this is an example, but then the person making the video decided to name this, the magic square after me because it was terrible. And so he's like, <laughs> what's it called? And I said on camera, I'm not calling it the Parker Square because everyone would be like, ha ha ha. Parker Square, that's when your best is not just good enough, right? And so he's like, okay, I won't make a big deal of it. And then he named the video The Parker Square. He released a range of t-shirts. And uh, people show up at my shows now wearing the t-shirt. Um, so I put that, so I tried to put, again, it's... it's. So I can see now I can, the question makes sense in terms of, uh, will you draw on that experience when going mathematical disaster yes, rather than success? Although to be fair, I, I actually got the... Um, the publisher signed off on the book from the proposal like a couple months before that video happened. But now lots of mathematicians who now know me from getting this thing wrong, not wrong, not fully right, uh, <laughs> think that that, that that is what started the book, but it was a happy convergence. I like the idea that must drive mathematicians mad, like things that are not being, like it's not so, zero or one, it's like, it's like it's we kind of literally had a bite through the, the first three rows, we were going, mm, yes, <laughs> and everyone behind me going, oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> literally today, 
we had the first person we found. Three cube numbers which add to 33. No one ever found that before. Searching for decades, today someone found that solution to the problem. I don't know looking. I saw it on the front page of the Times. I think. <laughs> big, big stuff after Brexit. What's... Um, uh, no one I wonder is there anything that's is a, no, uh, no, no, no. so no my publishers were like your book's gonna come out on the 7th of March and I was like that's very close mm. this is like months ago very close to the deadline right and everyone's <laughs> gonna say hey Matt can you talk about the terrible numbers behind Brexit right and they're like oh yeah great brilliant we'll do that and I'm like no I'm saying don't do that right and so no yeah no, no it's fine not yet not yet um, any other questions before we, uh, we we wrap up any other questions from the audience at this point just put your hand up we can't see into the void too too well so what, uh, that show? Is that yeah. I can tell you about that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there you go. No, no, I was going to say, uh, if, think, if you please, I'm fucking, I'm just saying myself anyway. Um, but I'm doing a new show called um, Happy Britain. I'm going to all 105 counties, the Google Centre of all 105 counties in the UK, uh, to find the nearest person to that and ask them uh, what makes them happy. Uh, yeah. We have a new uh, set list tattooed on your hand. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, this one actually says hummus. Always hummus. Well, this isn't actually a tattoo, this is his Sharpie. Uh, <laughs> I didn't actually even look at it because there's a bit there that I missed that was very, very funny. Uh, I'll never know. I didn't do that bit though, did I? No, no. Well, it's Guildford. I, I, they, they all very oh, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Too soon. Um, on, <laughs> on which list, we should expand on that question. What, what's next for each of us? What's, what, what, what's next? Uh, writing things, stand up things? Well, no, I'm, I'm obviously yeah. I'm doing this, this tour of uh, Happy Britain Part 1 is in Edinburgh this uh, August. And then in September, I'm going to all 105 counties in the UK, including like Orkneys and Shetlands. I'm doing it on a motorbike because I'm having a midlife crisis. <laughs> and uh, my, my wife said, you can't, well basically what it was, is that if you Google a county, uh, it will come up with a completely random place depending on whether you've been anywhere near there or not. So you'll see the mask guy going, oh. I was, I was going to ask, what is the Google center? And listen, yeah. get your phone and just type in a, a county, okay? And I, I think I liked out in Somerset was the first one I came in, and it came up with a place called Western Zoyland. Which I know, I've never heard of. So I clicked on there and it said, Western Zoyland is most famous, of course, due to Judge Jeffries and the bloody assizes, right? Which I didn't, so I clicked on that and it said, everyone knows about Judge Jeffries and the, but no. Um, anyway, there was a, 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 the Duke of Monmouth in 1685 revolution started in Western Zoyland. I kind of nerdy like that, so I thought, oh, this is quite interesting. And then I sort of thought, well, what would be interesting, because everyone's talking about Brexit, and also the fact that you just can't get, do we live in a bubble, or, or is everything actually okay? So I thought, well, I'll go and ask what makes people happy, and I've, I've done a, a bit already. I'm in Belfast in April, going to all counties in Northern Ireland. For example, I went to, um, uh, this is true, I went to, uh, Hampshire sent me to a place uh, on, on a roundabout outside a shop called Tropics. Uh, which I thought, oh, someone knows this. Uh, and I, under the rules that I've set myself is that I have to go in and find the person and just the first person. But ironically, you can't actually get in through the front of Tropics. I say ironically because it's a gay sauna. And, um, it all links back. It all links back. And I, I generally went up the stairs to this sauna and I just realised that I'm probably not the first like middle-aged man, married man, going over here, I just want to ask you a question. 
And, uh, and I met the guy, his name was Brian, he was lovely. And uh, I, once I explained what I was actually doing, he was into it and everything. And I said, uh, and I don't like stereotypes, I don't like dealing with stereotypes. And I said, what makes you happy? And he said, disco. Uh, so, so Hampshire is now the Disco County, uh, which I think is pretty cool. So that's what I'm doing. I'm going to all. That's, that's my. Thing. Where are you going to in Surrey? In Surrey. Well, well. <laughs> so I don't know if anyone has yeah. ever left the wrong side of Woking Station and walked south two streets. Yes. But you've been to Surrey. Yeah. Right there, right there. That's that's. Was it now on the phone? I think Google Maps might be different on the phone. Right? Yeah, and it's yeah. different for everyone because some people get the same thing. So if you've been to different places, your phone will know where you've been. If you haven't been there, you will. Some people will get Western Zoyland and Homestead. Some people will get other. I know it's good, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> I've waited so much of my life at working station. <laughs> <laughs> if only you'd gone two roads on my road. But why just down there? I don't know. It's a sauna. <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've got to go in the back entrance, man. <laughs> there is a recurring theme. But uh, yeah. anyway, so that's what I'm doing. So that's what's next for you, which yeah. may be a book as well. It is a book, yeah. It is a book. No, I've, I've, so uh, uh, I did a, a, a crowdfunder and I raised four and a half grand. Uh, which I've spent on petrol. And yeah, I should mention that um, we've got sponsorship from uh, Calm. Uh, we're not sponsorship, but uh, we're partnered up with Calm, which is the campaign against living miserably. And uh, because uh, while I want to sort of talk about happiness, I just want to start conversations as well, which is what they want to do. And they do a lot of work with uh, suicide and suicide prevention. So we're going to be going around basically starting conversations and uh, telling the positive stories that are out there. There we go. Well, right. Fantastic. Right. Um, so you didn't applaud until I mentioned the charity. <laughs> <laughs> uh, top that, Matt. What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, my awesome. plans on the future are to find out the exact time and location of Aiden's Edinburgh show. Oh, my, uh, thank you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Working together this time. Yeah, this is good, this is good. I like it. Agent Commission. You're out of time. So, uh, <laughs> I, I'm, at, I'm at 7 p.m. at the, uh, the sweet venues, uh, which is the grass market, and more importantly, my venue has air conditioning. Yeah. <laughs> I know it sells it, it's on the poster. This room knows too oh, well. Talking of which, maybe you're the journalist lady. If you give me a nice review. <laughs> no, 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 if you give me a nice review, I'll put it on the poster. <laughs> <laughs> You have become all things to all comedians. <laughs> we hope this goes somewhere for you. So, so what's uh, next for you? So, uh, I, uh, having done the book, now I'm doing, I'm about to launch into all the marketing that everyone has, has been so cheerful about, which is a kind of good fun. And I am also doing Edinburgh. I'm at, this is not announced yet because the program's not out. I'm doing uh, Dome, Pleasant's Dome at 8.20pm. So if anyone is in Edinburgh at a third past eight. That means we can't do that. I'm sorry, we clash. I know, uh, that, that's the polite way. Wouldn't you? Oh, I wish I could. Uh, I've got to clear 20 minutes to get across to my fuck. venue, which is easy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, yes, I'm doing that, and I'm on tour after that around the UK. Um, I don't think I've got a Gilbert date booked in. I'll be the last. I live in Gollaming, so I'm like just down the road. Right? It's like so convenient. Uh, and I went to my tour, and I was like, just book one gig, because I've done the electric theatre, which is lovely. And I was like, just put me there again. And they're like, eh, we'll see. Oh, uh, so yeah, touring, touring out the country, um, talking about books. So this is, again, for both you and me, be delightfully local. So thank you for that. Thank you for that. Um, Rosie, you're not doing Edinburgh. I seem to recall you saying Edinburgh. Well, so I'm not doing my own show in Edinburgh. I may still be doing a one-off 
podcast recording of the breakup monologues, but that is still, we're still talking about that finally day because for one offs you don't have to book them in until mm-hmm. the last minute. Um, so yeah, the main thing for me is the breakup monologues podcast, which we record um, roughly once a month. We record a double bill in London at King's Place. If any of you are ever down in King's Cross, um, and we are going to be touring that around the country to some uh, science festivals and different festivals. Port Elliot Festival in Cornwall in July and Oxford Science and Ideas Festival in the autumn and various other things, TBC. But if you want to listen to the podcast, it's available free on iTunes and Spotify. There's a series, that's the fire, thank you, man. Um, there's a series of 10 episodes, which was series one, which was mostly recorded in the studio, and now series two is coming out, um, which is all live in front of an audience. Uh, we just recorded one with Richard Herring, which was pretty cool, pretty awesome, and there's uh, some very, very fabulous people who've been involved with it, all talking about uh, stories of being ghosted, being dumped, and heartbreak, and how we get over it, and sort of looking back with, with humour at relationship failures and disasters, and cheering ourselves up collectively. Um, I was, yeah, it's, it's going well, so, uh, so yes. And these flyers are free. Yeah, please <laughs> at the back on the bar. Please take a flyer and come and see us in London and, and check out and listen to the podcast. That's uh, the more people who download it, the you know, the more chance I have of, of possibly even getting a sponsor or just kind of doing more with it, selling more tickets to live events and actually giving my guests some expenses and, and stuff like that and giving giving some money to my my patient editor. <laughs> very good. So this is, and, as and that said, will be the next book as well. That's the next book. Oh, okay. Uh, great. Okay. Um, and as we said earlier, you know, the fact that the, the changing nature of the comedy circuit is uh, startup shows feed books, feed podcasts. It all sort of uh, melds and merges together. So um, we wish you all well on all of your uh, future and current projects. Merry Christmas. And <laughs> let's all <laughs> join together for we wish you a merry <laughs> Lent. Um, so. Um, uh, a special thanks for coming out for this first attempt at such a thing. Uh, should we give them a round of applause, ladies and gentlemen? Our first visual authors. Thank you very much. Books are available still, aren't they? Yes. Yes. Books are very much still available. Don't go buy them. That would be a good thing to do. Uh, we we haven't done mailing lists or anything, but we uh, if anyone you, people can send email addresses to uh, well, find us on Twitter. Right? Twitter, Twitter, yeah. Twitter, 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 Twitter is my main one at Rosie Willby. At Mr. Aiden Covey on Twitter. If you can't find me on Google, I don't want you following me. They've <laughs> <laughs> got lost in the sauna. I will want to tweet at Paul Corrent is my one. I will tweet uh, very shortly information about the next uh, event, uh, which is on July the 8th, I think it is, and that's going to be at the Guildhall on the High Street rather than here, because that is in the middle of Guildford Fringe Festival, when here will be some scintillating theatre and comedy and who knows what. The very next night after that, in here, we're, I'm doing a new writing um, uh, series of short plays called Three Times Tables, and it's myself and three other writers who've all written short plays involving three tables, basically. So do come back for those, please, and don't. Thanks for coming. Round of applause to you guys as well. Thanks for coming out. So that was uh, Comedians with Books. I've told you already how to find information about the next one. The second Comedians with Books live event will be Guildford Fringe Festival in July of 2019. One month from the day this is put out there. I'll put the link uh, in the podcast info. And uh, yeah, great to see you. Come on down. Google Guildford Fringe Festival, Comedians with Books, and you will find information about that. The very next night, we're doing three times tables, the evening of new theatre writing. 
be great to see that if you can as well. That's at the Star Inn. Otherwise, have a look at my webpage because I'm presuming most of you probably don't live in Guildford. Uh, so if you look at paulcarenza.com, click on the gig guide and you can see where I am around this fine landmass that we call Britain. I think we still call it Britain for now. A uh, lot of political change going on. I think we're still Great Britain. We don't feel that great at the minute. Um, we're still the United Kingdom, although I've always thought we should be the United Queendom. We should be the UQ, not the UK, with the um, with the monarch and all that. So uh, either way, regardless, I wish you well. Get in touch. Uh, the Heptagon Club um, may be closed, but the Heptagon Club Facebook page lives on. So you can always follow us on that one or fo- mainly just follow me on Facebook, Paul, uh, facebook.com slash paul.carenza or on Twitter, or on Instagram. That's the uh, the main things you'll find me on. Thanks for listening. I've waffled on a lot on this, but there's um, we've not spoken for a while. There's a lot to talk about. There's a lot I've not told you about. I've not even told you that yesterday I was on the train with the Archbishop of Canterbury. That was good fun. And then the, I got to the meeting I was going to, and the bloke at the next table said, you never guess who I saw on the train today? The Bishop of Winchester. I thought, ha-ha, I can trump you with that one. I see your Bishop of Winchester, and I raise you the Archbishop of Banterbury. Oh, yes, indeed. Justin Welby. A pleasure to chat to him on the uh, 8.32 from Guildford to Waterloo. Very nice indeed. Next week, as, as of recording this, I'm at the um, Lambeth Palace at his place for the Sanford St. Martin Awards. Uh, awards celebrating... Um, uh, religious broadcasting of all sorts. I believe they're giving an award to Bishop Curry. Uh, that'd be quite nice. The uh, the wedding sermon guy at Harry's wedding, and um, thirty minutes he spoke for, and and you know changed the world. I think with his message to a certain degree. I've been waffling on for thirty minutes in total in these podcast uh, intro bits and bits throughout the middle, and kind of feel I haven't achieved the same thing. Bishop Curry kind of puts you into perspective, doesn't he? Anyway, wish you well. Thanks for listening. And uh, Communities with Books is the uh, current show I'm doing. Do find that out there. And um, yeah, uh, a new podcast will arrive here at some point. But not soon, not regularly, and not now. Bless you. Love you. Wish you well. Listen on and uh, live good lives. Oh, there's no theme music, by the way. I should have said that. We, um, it's not really a proper podcast, this. So this is just a collection of words. But, uh, but isn't everything, really, apart from music? That, that's not. This is Paul Carenza saying... Goodbye for now.